Hi everyone and welcome to this week's message. We're beginning a short two-week series looking at a couple of phrases that Jesus utters when he's been crucified and comparing them to some stories from earlier in Jesus' life. Following this week, we uh, hope to bring you a series of meetings, both for Good Friday and for Easter Sunday, pre-prepared for all salvationists across Australia by our national leaders. Uh, So I like like and subscribe this channel and we'll bring that to you. It's going to be the first time that all salvationists across Australia are going to hear the same message from our leaders together. We invite you to stay tuned and get excited to share and discuss these meetings with friends and core members on Facebook or other social media, or in fact, on the good old-fashioned telephone. Next week, though, is Palm Sunday, and Rebecca is going to bring a message to us. And I don't know what your house is like, or whether or not you can grab yourself a palm leaf, but I encourage you to grab a palm leaf. If you can, find one, maybe even ask your neighbor for one, but don't get too close to them. Just to remind yourself that it's Palm Sunday, and as you sit on the couch in your PJs, join with us as we take a look at the promise that Jesus makes to the thief hanging next to him on a cross and where he says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. There's some pretty powerful words and some, a powerful promise and it's definitely something that we need to understand and come to grips with. Now to this week. Did you see the news that during a live stream of morning mass last week, the Pope made an interesting statement. He says that people who couldn't get to confession at their local Catholic church because of the coronavirus lockdown or or some other serious reason, he says you could actually go to God directly. That's right. He says that if they genuinely pray, confessing their sins, they can request pardon and experience God's loving forgiveness. The right time, he says, the opportune moment, an act of contrition done well, and our souls will become white like the snow. Pope Francis. Now, this is interesting. Because in 1517, a priest named Martin Luther sparked a rebellion within the church. A rebellion that we're all actually a part of, actually. Pretty much all the Christian denominations come from part of this rebellion. We are Protestants or protesters. Martin Luther began this protest by posting 95 things that he thought the church had gotten wrong. And the first 10 or 13 or so of these arguments says that he believes confession is not something that should be limited to a priest or a pope or anything like that. This is not required for receive forgiveness. He says the main argument he had to start this whole thing was that people could simply pray and receive forgiveness themselves. A priest is not needed. It took 500 years, but now the Pope finally agrees with Martin Luther and the rest of us. That's pretty exciting, right? This is great because this week, We consider the first words we hear from Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Let me read to you the the text from Luke. Luke 23, 33 to 38. Just from the message translation, if you've got it, turn it up and read along with me. When they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus, and the ringleaders made faces, taunting, He saved others. Let's see him save himself, the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. They toasted him 
with sour wine. So you're the king of the Jews. Save yourself. The joke was extended and they printed over him a sign that said, this is the king of the Jews. The first request, therefore, that Jesus makes from the cross is to ask God the Father to forgive the sins of those who were torturing him, humiliating him and killing him. The first thing. Now compare this also with the following story from the life of Jesus recorded in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 to 8. Let me read this story. Uh, The title is, Who Needs a Doctor? Right? Sounds appropriate. It's good. Back in the boat, Jesus and the disciples recrossed the sea to Jesus' hometown. They were hardly out of the boat when some men carried a paraplegic on a stretcher and set him down in front of them. Jesus, impressed by their bold belief, said to the paraplegic, Cheer up, son, I forgive your sins. Some religious scholars whispered, Well, that's blasphemy. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he says, Why this gossipy whispering? I love that phrase, gossipy whispering. Which do you think is simpler to say? I forgive your sins or get up and walk. Well, just so it's clear that the Son of Man, and I'm the Son of Man, and authorized to do either or both, he turns to the paraplegic and he says, Get up, take up your bed, and go home. And the man did it. The crowd was awestruck, amazed, pleased that God had authorized Jesus to work among them in this way. So there are two things about this story that I think we should be, should we take note of at this point? First of all, Jesus claims to be God and then proves it. This is one of those times where Jesus really gets up the noses of the religious leaders. In fact, I think he does it a bit deliberately. See, a man comes to him for healing. Instead of healing him, he says, cheer up, mate, I forgive your sins. That's the Australian version, right? Cheer up, mate, I forgive your sins. The religious guys start gossipy whispering because only God has truly the authority to forgive sins. Only God can be the true judge and jury. And as far as they can see, Jesus is simply pretending to have the power and authority of God. And that's blasphemy. It is. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he exposes them a little bit and he draws them into a conversation where he can teach them something. He says, which is it easier, right? He says, is it easier to forgive your sins or get up and walk? I mean, clearly it is easier to say, I forgive your sins. Because in the end, no one can really know if you've done it, can they? Everyone knows that only God can forgive sins, but anyone can claim Right? No one is going to know if it doesn't work. But everyone also knows that only God could heal people. Anyone can say, get up, take up your mat and walk. But unless you actually have the power and authority of God, nothing's going to happen. And everyone's going to know you're a fraud, right? So it is a lot easier to say, you're forgiven. The argument goes, if Jesus can do the hard thing and heal the guy, using the power and the authority of God, then clearly he can do the easier thing because he is the Son of God. Forgive the guy's sins. Well, surprise, surprise, Jesus does it, proving his power and authority to heal, but more importantly, his power and authority to forgive sins. He proves who he is. But you see, the second thing we learn from this story is that... For Jesus, forgiveness is more important than healing. Well-being is more important than being well. 
It's the other reason why I believe Jesus' first prayer on the cross was to forgive those who were torturing him. Jesus' first option in this case was to forgive the man's sins because he believes it is more important than healing. I think sometimes we get carried away with the miracles of healing and we forget the miracle of forgiveness. I mean, I know people who are super fit and healthy, but who suffer crippling effects of unforgiveness, of shame. No matter how fast they run, no matter how hard they try, no matter what achievements they gain, no matter how hard they work, how much they earn, they constantly feel like they're not good enough or perhaps even a burden to those around them. Something in them makes them feel like they are flawed and broken and not worthy of connection with God, not worthy of connection with others. I don't know if you, have you ever felt a bit like that. Something you've done, experienced or, or failed to do in the past now condemns you to a life of disconnection and unworthiness of being unforgiven. A couple of researchers named Miller and Stiver uh, described the, the, the feeling like this. The most terrifying and destructive feeling that a person can experience is psychological isolation. This is not the same as being alone. It is feeling that one is locked out of the possibility of human connection and being powerless to change the situation. In the extreme, psychological isolation can lead to a sense of hopelessness and desperation. People will do almost anything to escape this combination of condemned isolation and powerlessness. This is why I believe Jesus focuses on forgiveness more than healing. This is why I believe Jesus demonstrates that well-being is more important than being well. This is why Jesus' first words from the cross are words of forgiveness. See, when, when Jesus prays on that cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's praying out loud. He is praying so that those who were making him suffer would hear the words. And when they realize what they did, when they look back on this day where they crucified the Messiah, they wouldn't be crippled by guilt and shame because they would also remember hearing Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but there are lots of things and times in my life that I'm not proud of. Lots of things that I, I look back on in my life and I I feel like the lowest, most wretched human being who's ever lived. Mistakes that I've made, choices that I regret, choices that I knew were bad, but I made them anyway. There are things that I've done that I didn't want to do and things that I haven't done that I knew I should have done. No matter how hard I try, I keep making mistakes. And when I look back on those times, I feel wretched and flawed and unworthy of the company of others. But when I read this story, I'm encouraged because I recognize that when when Jesus was praying that prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's praying it so that I would hear it down through the ages. He is praying that I would hear. He's praying so that you would hear it. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing.
I pray that as you hear this message from the Scriptures, that the Word of God through His Holy Spirit would plant them in your mind, would paint them across your soul. No matter how incapable, crippled, flawed, or unworthy you feel, I pray you know the forgiveness and the blessing and acceptance of God when He says, Cheer up, I forgive your sins.